So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Before we get into the episodes, can we just quickly talk about the tweet that Kylie just posted? I was hoping that you would ask me that. Okay, she writes, if I just so happened to do a King Kylie collection, what products would you guys like to see? Which first of all, for the last however many months we've been talking about the King Kylie resurgence, which is not unique to us. I think we all have collectively, but I don't know, what is it, a month or so ago, we specifically said she absolutely is going to capitalize on this in terms of either a Kylie Cosmetics product, I was thinking maybe a Skims or Good American campaign, and I mean, clearly it's happening. The coy tone of that tweet in which she says, if I just so happen to, felt like she was very specifically talking to you and I. <laughs> Didn't you feel like it was targeted? No, I am never, ever one to be like... <laughs> But like, come on. I know. I mean, listen, she'd be a fool not to. Because aside from the fact that in general, I would say the public has really taken a liking to the nostalgia that comes with the King Kylie era. The thing that we have to remember is that there is an entire generation of TikTok that never experienced that the first time around. So this is their first understanding, which to us is very nostalgic. This is a whole new side of Kylie that they're being introduced to. And that directly translates to sales. So I mean, I think from a marketing slash business perspective, it's absolutely genius. Do you think the King Kylie era is something where people on TikTok are jealous of the fact that they didn't get to experience it? Honestly, yes. <laughs> like it really is such a, if you know, you know, like you had to be there for it. Not every single celebrity event or every single celebrity era is like that. A lot are. And I do believe that King Kylie is one of them. But I also believe it's one where people can like crave having been around for it. Like, oh, I wish I was there for that. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Even for us, there's so many things that happened kind of before our time, even if we were alive for it, but we didn't fully understand it. And looking back, you wish that you were more kind of engulfed in the in the culture to understand. You know what we won't have to say that about? Elvis, because we'll fully get it because of Austin Butler. Because <laughs> of Austin Butler, yeah. Okay, I want your general top level analysis about how much on a scale of one to 10 you enjoyed these three episodes. By the way, for anybody who is unsure, we're on Courtney and Kim Take New York episodes six, seven, and eight. So, I mean, right off the bat, I'm just going to give all three a 10. Actually, that's not true. I will give episodes six and eight a 10. And I think the middle episode was a little bit of a filler. Yeah, I think I would probably agree with that. I mean, I'm realizing that I have such a soft spot for any time there's such a clear Kim and Scott bond. And that was happening so much throughout these episodes. And it was something that I was really gravitating towards. 
That's how I felt too. I mean, when I was watching though, the episode of Scott with the walking stick, it came flooding back at me. Like, remember how we always say when we're watching these episodes, like, oh, I wish I could remember what I felt in that moment. Like I genuinely, when I was watching this, remembered what I felt in this moment. And it was the exact same of what I was feeling watching it again. I know. I really, really know. I mean, last week we were saying how we're just starting to get into Scott's Lord era, but this episode really was the starting point. And it's when he goes and he buys that cane or the walking stick, whatever you want to call it. And he's walking downtown with Courtney on the street. And those photos of them, because you have to remember that was also a very specific time in Courtney's life fashion-wise. And as you'll see throughout these seasons, even though she's so opposed to this new era of Scott, she slowly kind of starts to morph her style to match it. Again, another thing comforting about Courtney. Well, right, because last week we were saying that the scenes, I guess it was from episode five, where her and Scott are doing a little bit of PDA and she's very into it. In a way, it makes you feel like, all right, it's not like this is just a Travis thing. Clearly, it's something that Courtney always had inside of her. Which you're right, it is comforting. It's such a bizarre word to use for this circumstance, but I, I genuinely do find it comforting. Well, specifically in terms of her relationship with Travis, because... Obviously, you look at certain aspects of it, and he's guilty of this as well. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Guilty might be the wrong word, but he has a lot of consistencies throughout what you've seen in his past relationships and what he applies in his relationship with Courtney. And so I think there's a comfort in seeing the both of them do that. Oh, absolutely. And then the uniqueness of it comes from the connection because all the other stuff can be, you know, replicated regardless of who the person on the receiving end is. Right, exactly. The other thing, okay, so we're doing three episodes. It's kind of just going to be a mishmash. I definitely recommend watching all three. It'll take you a total of an hour. But the other plot of the first one is this is the episode where Kim records her one and only debut single called Jam, Turn It Up, in the studio with The Dream. And I could not have more to say about this. Can I ask you a question? Why do you think that jam parentheses turn it up is not as big as Paris Hilton's Stars Are Blind? I mean, there's just no comparison. I'm sorry. I'm a Stars Are Blind fucking stan. I still play that song. I'm a Stars Are Blind stan too, but I think jam parentheses turn it up had the potential to really be something great and we let it (laughs) die down. You want me to tell you right now, as I'm hearing you say that, why it never reached Stars Are Blind potential? Because you have to say the parentheses? Yeah. How are you going to have a fucking hit single that you have to say the parentheses for? Like either call it jam, call it turn it up, but don't make me say the parentheses. That is such, talk about like a cock block immediately that that loses all sexiness. If we're being honest, I don't think that anybody was required to include the parentheses. I think that I'm just taking the joke too far. <laughs> Very Vanessa Hutchins of you. Oh, we cut that from this week's episode. We got it. <laughs> Can we keep this? (laughs) Do we have to then go back and explain that I have a theory that Vanessa Hodgins is going to be on her deathbed and admit that she never even liked Coachella? She just didn't know how to remove it from her personality? (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So, hold on. Let's just go back for a second. You guys, we're recording this late night. It's that late night chaotic energy. But as we always say, it's a safe space, right? I mean, we're really just going with it here. (laughs) 
Okay, so basically how this whole thing starts with Kim recording this single is that she's having lunch with Sierra and Sierra says that she was talking to the dream and he really wants to record a single with Kim. And so we see her go into the recording studio. We see the whole nine. We're really watching this song be produced. And obviously when you're first watching this, the humor of it all is like Kim with no vocal abilities, trying to do the song, trying to remember the lyrics, all of that. But to me, honestly, what I could not get enough of is how Every step of the way, she was wildly opposed to doing this. It was against her better judgment. It did not feel good intuitively. Her gut reaction was telling her not to do it. Yet she felt intimidated by the situation and she just decided, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And my biggest takeaway from watching this is that Kim Kardashian current day would never. The second she felt like something wasn't aligned with her brand, forget about going outside of her comfort zone. That's one thing. But it was more than just that this was outside of her comfort zone. She genuinely did not feel like this was a strategic business move, yet she still did it. And to me, this is such a good scene to illustrate that difference in terms of how far she's come. It's such a good point because it's not comfort zone. And I was thinking about that as you were speaking because I, in my head, I was going to make the point of Kim's entire career got so much better once she stopped doing the shit that she didn't want to do. Like once she put the Dancing with the Stars behind her because she's not a dancer. Once she put the, you know, little gimmicky things like this behind her because they didn't fit into what her comfort level was, her career drastically improved. But you're right, it's not her comfort because then you look at her doing something like SNL and that was entirely out of her comfort zone. But she knew that that was something that she wanted to do and that it would better her and that was really good for her career and her brand. And so finding the differentiation between I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it and it's not on brand for me versus I don't want to do it because I'm nervous, but the payout is going to be so high for me. Right. And forget about the payout. It's not like she was expecting to cash in from this. It was more so the exposure of it all. And I think where we've come is to the point where she does not need more exposure. Don't get me wrong. They like to keep themselves in the headlines, but if she's doing that, it's something on her own accord, not something that she doesn't want to be doing in the first place. And it sounds very weird to say, but if you watch this episode, maybe you felt the same way. Viewing these scenes, I honestly felt an overwhelming sense of pride in terms of where she is now. Because I was like, there is no way. Kim would never feel so intimidated by someone else's presence that she would go against everything that's telling her not to do something. There's just no worlds in which she would do that. She's come too far. And I get it, by the way. This had to happen for her to get to where she is. It makes total sense. But even now in interviews, I think she said it's the only thing that she regrets. That and Dancing with the Stars, I think. Right, and not majorly regrets. I, I think generally speaking, she does feel like she has no regrets, but it's not like she looks back and it's like, you know what? I'm so happy I did that. And that's because she was never fully in it. You, ha I just, I could not get enough of these scenes. It was hands down my favorite part of this entire trio. I think that this song could have a life on TikTok. It totally could. Uh, like, can I tell you my vision? What? My vision is for North to do a TikTok where she's lip syncing to the song and Kim is in the background and she walks in. Oh my God, my jaw is on the floor. That would be iconic. How viral would that go? I, you know what? That's amazing. What I was thinking was that it starts to go viral as a sound and then Kim makes one her own on TikTok and it like everyone flips out because like, duh. Right, but her and North doing it together on their joint account, forget about it. No, that would be absolute best case scenario. I yeah, love yeah. those types of things like, Chris's birthday song has its life on TikTok. And to me, that's one of my greatest joys. And I think that there was absolutely no reason that Jam parentheses Turn It Up shouldn't as well. 
<laughs> you don't stop with the fucking parentheses. I'm just trying to give the song the respect that it deserves. I know, but every time you say the parentheses, we are actively taking away from any chance it has at success. You know that. I think I'm adding to it. <laughs> So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so episode seven, definitely the least exciting of the three. The two main plots here are Courtney getting increasingly frustrated by Scott and kind of his messiness. And then second of all, there's this whole plot between Kim and this brand advisor that Simon sets her up with. She thinks is gay. The guy ends up being straight. We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to pivot to the Courtney and Scott discussion for a second, because as we've talked about at length, when you're watching these old seasons, you really are in touch with the highs and lows of their relationship. And we were at a point now where it was post- money in the waiter's mouth in Vegas. And he was really trying to be on the straight and narrow. And you see Courtney is just really annoyed with kind of the sloppiness with which he lives. And there's a moment when he's getting so annoyed at how annoyed she's getting because Courtney handles things, as you guys know, in like a very kind of passive aggressive monotone type way. And instead of freaking out at her, he goes to therapy. He role plays the situation with his therapist. And that night he ends up booking a room down the hall to kind of remove himself, which clearly the whole thing was dramatized. But there is a very good chance that quote old Scott a few seasons back would have had a total freak out that night. Whereas he's like, now 
I am so committed to not doing that. Right. It was like a very joking situation and they were both obviously angry, but joking angry at the same time. And what Scott did here was recognize the fact that at any moment it was going to turn from joking angry to real angry. And so he got ahead of that situation before it could turn into that. Totally. Also, I have to tell you, there's this one scene when he leaves the toilet seat up, she goes to sit, she falls in and he hadn't even flushed. So she basically falls in and is in his pee, which is just like absolutely disgusting. And she kind of flips out on him and it's joking, but she's pretty pissed. I was trying to envision a hypothetical world in which that happened with Travis, which I just don't see him as the type of guy that does leave the toilet seat up, but you know, everybody has an off night. Let's say Travis pees, he leaves the toilet seat up and she goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night and she falls in. Could you ever imagine her getting mad at Travis in the way she got mad at Scott? No, I really couldn't. I can't even envision a scenario in which he would leave the toilet seat up. It's just so not him. But like, I can't envision a scenario in which Courtney wouldn't give him the absolute benefit of the doubt that it was just a complete accident. <laughs> right. Or, or feel like it was meant to be in, in that moment. You know, there was something about like the healing properties of his urine, not to get disgusting, but I genuinely would go to that before I would go to her getting pissed at him in the way that she got pissed at Scott. The one thing that I do want to say about this scene is that I actually thought the most interesting part of the fight between Courtney and Scott had absolutely nothing to do with either of them and had to do with when Courtney calls Chloe to vent about Scott and says to Chloe, you know, I don't typically like to talk to you about issues with Scott, but I just like had to talk to somebody and tells Chloe that she's so annoyed by the mess and she's so upset. And Chloe in a very rare moment says to her that she really has to pick and choose her battles with Scott. And instead of being upset with him, you know, for the mess, she should focus on the fact of how much she's grown as a person and really reward him for that. Right. And obviously the major takeaway from that is like, holy shit, Chloe is not only kind of siding with Scott, but also genuinely trying to get Courtney to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is a major 180 from previous seasons. But in having this conversation, she's citing examples of her marriage with Lamar and little things that he does that kind of pisses her off, but she has to pick her battles. And it's so minor. It's nothing revolutionary. Obviously everybody's spouse does things that are a little bit bothersome, but Chloe's approach with Lamar to me only intensified with her future relationships. Like there were more passes given, I feel like as things progressed. And I'm not saying that was necessarily positive. Right. And that was my takeaway as well, because it was so interesting for seasons on seasons on seasons, no matter what Scott did, the most minor thing, Chloe was down his throat about it was his worst. Like he could not do right in Chloe's eyes. There was nothing that he could do that was right. But all of a sudden, Chloe's a wife and her entire attitude on the dynamics of a relationship in that way and almost how a wife is, quote, supposed to act in her eyes does a complete 180. The second plot line of this episode, which isn't really worth analyzing because like we said, is kind of a filler, is that obviously they're opening up Dash New York and they're looking to maybe hire a brand consultant. So Simon suggests this guy, Marco, and Kim meets with him. He describes himself in this episode as Metro, which I feel like is kind of an outdated term that we don't use anymore, but that's how he describes himself. But, you know, he's very into fashion. He's complimenting Kim on her Louboutins and her Mez bracelet. And they really 
get along very well. She mistakenly assumes that he's gay. They go shopping. He's like helping her in the dressing room. Anyway, long story short, she wants to set him up with her friend slash hairstylist, Rob Sheppy, which as a quick side note, we don't see him ever doing their hair anymore, but he was in this episode a lot with Joyce Benelli. Anyway, my only even remotely substantial takeaway here is that clearly Kim must have genuinely believed that he was gay because there's no world in which she wouldn't have assumed that he was into her. Like her default at this time specifically was that all men were into her because they were. Like that wasn't any sort of false understanding of reality. She genuinely was that desired. And you can see her entire aura kind of shifted once she wasn't looking at him as someone that was potentially into her. Not because she would have been into him back, but like she just had a very specific way in which she operated with straight men. And you can tell she really just did not pick up on that vibe. No, and she had completely let her guard down. I mean, this was the perfect example of like such an early on in the show type of filler plot point. Totally. But even in the fillers, you can extract some sense of like how this meshes into their personalities and the way that they operate. Of course. And that's why the fillers were able to work even until the last season, even again with Kylie shopping with Chris going grocery shopping, like it all relates to their personality and, you know, you pick up on little things, but yeah, this was definitely just straight filler. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. 
Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. This third episode was really the bulk of it in terms of legitimate points to analyze, especially those that track today. And so what's happening here is they're having the Dash opening. Chloe's been back in LA and she's coming in for it. And Courtney and Kim really have been bonding this time that they've been in New York, specifically with Scott. And now that Chloe's in the picture, it kind of goes back to that dynamic of Chloe and Courtney as this duo and Kim feeling a little bit left out. And you see the way that that manifests itself and also the resolve. But Holy shit. To watch this, knowing where they all stand in current day, is wild. You know, what's really wild about it is that when you look at the dynamics of current day, it's almost like Chloe's the one in the middle where, you know, obviously Courtney and Chloe used to have this amazing dynamic. You see it a lot throughout the early seasons of the show. And now you have Kim and Chloe who are just like such a dynamic duo. But at the time, it's not Chloe that they're jealous or fighting over. It's really Courtney. Like Chloe and Courtney have this amazing bond, and Kim really holds on to this bond that they had during childhood where it used to be just the two of them. And Chloe was the baby of the family, and they kept secrets from her, and she wasn't included in their things. So Yes, the dynamic of the way it's changed over time is fascinating, but also specifically Courtney's role in this changing and becoming Chloe's role. No, completely. And when we're thinking about current day, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, if I'm just analyzing specifically the three of their relationships, there's obviously so many different eras of it. But I even think current day Courtney and where she fits in is very different than two to three years ago. Like I think Courtney post Travis has a very different place in all of this than she did, you know, when she was figuring things out with Scott in the last few years, when she was dating Eunice or whenever that was. Oh, a million percent. Yes. I think one of the most interesting lines from this episode is when Kim says in her confessional, I think the story of my life is that Courtney and Chloe always underestimate my capacity to have fun, which I think is absolutely true. At the same time though, I think she was objectively the least fun of the three, depending, I guess, your definition of fun. Because to me, I felt like in these earlier seasons, Courtney and Chloe just had a goofiness about them that Kim doesn't have. Like, she's just not goofy. That's just not a part of her personality. She derives fun from different type of activities, whereas they want a rough house and and fuck around and like wear weird shit on their heads and call each other names. And like, that's just not something Kim is into. So when they're in that mode, of course she has no spot in that because that goes against her entire personality. Right. And it's interesting because in the first episode that we watched of these three, there's a scene where Kim and Courtney are kind of fucking around the city and they go into FAO Schwartz and they're playing on the giant piano and Kim and Courtney are like dragging each other on it. And I had that thought of like, wow, this is so Chloe and Courtney of them. Like the dynamic that the two of them have here is so exactly what we love about Courtney and Chloe and watching them. And it's funny to see Kim play into that. And so you have this episode now where that's exactly the thing that Kim is being accused of not being able to do. When in reality, Kim does have it in her. It's just to a certain extent. And I think that the way that 
Chloe and Courtney go about their relationship and their dynamic and being a little goofy and being fun in that way. I think it it makes Kim not want to do that, not want to channel that side of her. But when she's alone with Courtney, for example, or when she's alone with Chloe, I think she's able to do that because she doesn't have the pressure of the two of them almost judging her for it. Like she doesn't feel like there's a spotlight on her. Yes, which is so funny because they're sisters. Obviously, they're so comfortable with one another. But when it comes to getting like, quote, weird or silly, I think Kim knows that's just not something that comes naturally to her. And so she's never going to be able to like outweird them. <laughs> so she she almost, when she's one-on-one with them, she can do it in her own way, in a way that feels safe and kind of to her capacity. It is such an interesting and like very specific dynamic that you really have had to have been watching from the beginning to understand it. And it's something I would love to talk to them about, specifically this one element of it. And that's also why I think specifically Kim and Chloe were able to get so much closer as they've gotten older, because that goofiness between Chloe and Courtney, like it phased out. Like that was just a part of their 20s. That was who they were at the time. Courtney was freshly 30. Chloe was, I think, 24 or 25 at this time. Like she was very young. And so that element of their relationship, I don't think they lost it because they stopped being so close. I think that they lost it because they grew up a little and they matured a little. And and that wasn't at the forefront of their relationship anymore. And so that created opportunity for Chloe and Kim to really bond in a new way. Right. And there's so many factors, obviously, if we wanted to do like a very deep analysis about this, we could. But I think also as they've gotten older, and this really factors in specifically more recently, is their approach to business. And Courtney's made it very clear it's not the thing that she's ever going to prioritize the most. Whereas for Kim, it definitely is. And for Chloe, I think she's right there with Kim. So I think not only do they relate in that regard, but also I think Chloe specifically has a completely newfound and intensified respect for Kim in a way that she maybe not never had. She always obviously respected her, but really a, a deep admiration. Because I think in so many ways, Kim is the prime example of the businesswoman that Chloe would want to emulate and and does. Yes, that is an amazing point. I really do feel like if you ask Chloe to kind of list all of the reasons that she feels the way about Kim that she does, I think top of that list would be the businesswoman she is. I, I feel like Chloe finds that very inspirational. And that's not to say that Chloe is not an example in her own right. She totally, totally is. But I think there is a certain level of respect that every single person in that family pays to Kim for knowing on some level, she is a huge reason that they are where they are. And I don't think any of them, specifically Chloe, forgets that. I don't think so either. But I also think that the reverse of that is that I think every single person in that family looks to Chloe as like an example of the right thing to do. Like, I think they allow Chloe to really lead the the family side of the family and Kim to really lead the business side of the family. Yes, you're saying from a more emotional perspective, Chloe is the rock. Right. Yes, totally, totally. But by the way, the other thing about this episode is that, so I don't know if you guys watched along, they're at the opening, we'll get into the Kanye in a second, but you know, Scott sees that Kim is feeling left out and he goes over to talk to Courtney and Chloe. And I was just thinking like, it's so crazy to watch this back now where you have to understand what a season ago, Scott was public enemy number one. And now he is Kim's voice. He's literally the mediator that's helping 
Courtney and Chloe understand where Kim's coming from and that's welcomed by Kim. Like it's just so, so crazy. And it really does give so much context to their relationships now, because if you were just watching the season and you didn't know present day, you would think that Kim and Scott were the duo, but you know, 10 years later, it's Scott and Chloe that's the duo. Well, what a completely unintended consequence of these spinoffs, which is the relationships that it built. Like each of them during this time, Miami completely the exception, got closer to who they were with. And th- that wasn't the goal of these spinoffs. It wasn't like, let's take two siblings and see what will happen to them. It was just like, you're going to run the store, therefore you're going to be in New York. And you can clearly see Kim and Courtney have this bond because of it. And really, Kim and Scott's relationship, I think, would not be the same if it wasn't for this specific trip to New York. But more specific than that, the trip to New York with Chris Humphreys, because I think that bonded Kim and Scott for life. For life. And I think that Kim would say that unless you were with her during that time, like physically living with her, you could never understand how she got in the situation that she got in. And by the way, even Courtney and Scott that were living there, I still think there's a part of them that don't fully get it. I completely, completely agree. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. In this episode, you guys see at the Dash opening, Kanye comes. And by the way, we had a Kanye appearance like multiple times throughout the season. He was at her photo shoot last episode. Now he's at the Dash opening. And you see when they say hi to each other, it's kind of like a little bit awkward. And he's like, I went for the kiss. You went for the hug. And she's smiling, you know, she's talking to him and then she kind of goes and mingles on her way. But it's like, I can't believe we are watching you guys like ships passing in the night. And in what, five episodes, we're about to get the Chris Humphreys entrance. Meanwhile, Kanye has been off on the sidelines, so clearly eyeing her. Like I was saying this last week when I was having the realization of who Kanye was at the time in terms of his celebrity. And he just showed up to Kim's glamour shoot because he wanted to like, 
Not to minimize what Dash was, but Kanye West had no fucking place at the Dash opening. He had much better things to do than go to the Dash New York opening. He was there for one reason, and that was because he was in love with Kim. And like at the time, I don't know if I fully realized this, but watching it back now, I'm like, wow, how is Kim not seeing that Kanye is coming to her opening literally because he wants to walk her down the aisle? I can't get over Kanye being in more episodes of season one of Courtney and Kim Take New York than he was in episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians during their 10 years of marriage. <laughs> I know. It's like all of this and then that one confessional when he says they're like the couple from The Incredibles. And I said this, I think it was last week when we were talking about Kanye being at the shoe, where it's so hard for me to view Kim and Kanye's marriage under the lens of anything other than what it turned into and the way that it fell apart in those final years and Kanye's actions that caused that to happen. But when I see the early days of them and I see how in love he was with her before she was her and before they were them, like there's a piece of me that always holds on to that with their relationship. And I I do think that's what Kim was holding on to for a while too. It was like almost like a he saw me when no one else saw me type thing. Oh, for sure. But I have to tell you that I've become, I think, so influenced by what's happened as of late that if it weren't for rewatching these episodes, I would have completely abandoned that feeling. Honestly, because it's so far gone for me, because obviously like I'm just so tuned into what's been happening recently, that when I watch this, that's when I'm kind of like reinfused with those feelings and that understanding. Because I, I wouldn't say I completely have lost that understanding, but it's definitely not something that comes to mind frequently. And then I watch him showing up at the Dash opening and I'm like, oh my God, he fucking loved her. You know, like he... He's not lying in those interviews when he says, like, I always knew. I just knew that she had to do her thing. You know, it's so easy for a guy to say that that didn't have his life documented. But he had his life documented and the evidence backs up everything that he's ever said. Like, it's not just some poetic trope that he's saying as a way to romanticize the whole thing. He genuinely knew that that was the woman he was going to marry, which you got to give credit where credit is due. That's some pretty excellent foresight. You know, when the divorce was announced, I wasn't sad about their relationship at that point. Like I'd really come to terms with the ending of it. I hadn't been a fan of him for a little while there. And like, obviously, had you told me specifically three years prior to the divorce being announced that it was coming, I wouldn't have said that I was necessarily shocked, but I would have been upset. When it happened, I didn't feel any feelings of upset. It was so much relief for her. And I was so happy for her to finally be free of that. When I watch these episodes back, that's when I get a little sad. And I get sad for Kanye. I'm like, this was the thing you wanted most in the entire world and you got it, but only temporarily. Like that mean, that breaks my heart for him. It really does. That he couldn't uh, that he couldn't get out of his own way in this. I know. Well, that's what it is. It's not that you feel bad that it happened because you know it was the right call, but you feel I think it's more so knowing how much frustration he must feel in that, like, it didn't have to be like this. It's the whole thing is very upsetting when you really think about it. I mean, not, not as a conversation to have right now, but I, there's just so many things I want to ask her. Like the list is truly endless. I also think with them, you mourn the story of what it could have been of he loved her before she was her and he pined after her and he always knew it was her. And then you know, they got married and they had this storybook ending where she was the biggest celebrity in the world and he was the biggest celebrity in the world and they created this insane empire together. Like, that's the story of what it should have been, right? Like, we all can agree on that, but obviously things did not go that way and them separating and getting divorced was 
100 billion thousand percent for the best. It just sucks that it couldn't have gone the way that I think in the beginning we thought it was going to. Right. And they thought it was going to. I mean, Kim really, I think, believed this was it. Like, third time's the charm. This is the guy. I deserve to be swept off my feet, specifically coming out of Chris Humphreys, which is just an asshole. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But listen, like we always say, out of it, they got four beautiful kids, and I don't think Kim would change anything. Of course, my follow-up to that is, what's going on in terms of the current divorce proceedings. Like I I know that he's been kind of laying low and, you know, apparently seeking help separately. I just wonder if it has become any more smooth sailing for her in terms of the logistics of it. Yeah. I'm curious about that as well. I mean, I think we all are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. What, what are we missing? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> It's our rogue hour every week. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And I will see you later this week for Bravo. Bravo.